Welcome to the Lil Unscripted podcast where I ramble on about whatever's on my mind, whether if it's current events, life advice, hot takes, all things magical and spiritual, or really anything that interests me and will probably interest you as well. Thanks for listening and be sure to stick around for weekly episodes and be sure to follow my social medias for regular updates. Hello and welcome back to the Lil Unscripted podcast. Your girl is back. You're probably wondering why it took me forever to record and upload an episode. However, I did do it, but the audio failed three times and I do what, well, I did what I do best when things don't go my way. I give up. So (laughs) you probably read the title of this episode um I do just want to put out a disclaimer hi if you don't know my name is Lil Lillian I am a third year pharmacy student at the University of Sydney and I will be a pharmacist in a few years time so this is coming from that perspective I just wanted to put that out there really quick as well Um, but yeah, so I have my holidays now and things are going great. I'm just working full time, but you know what? That's okay. I hope you are also enjoying your break if you do have a uni break as well. And I just hope you're enjoying life in general. Anyways, I wanted to talk about this topic specifically because I work in this field and this will one day affect myself, but also everyone who visits a pharmacy. Um, And also because there has been no shortage of debates going on regarding whether or not this is a good decision from the government. So on the 13th of November this year, New South Wales Health released a detailed explanation of the new pharmacist scope titled Pharmacy Reform to Expand Community Healthcare. Um, Oh, by the way, I will be linking all the articles and all the websites I've visited in the little description thingy of this podcast episode so check that out if you want to read more anyways the main section wrote the new south wales government will increase the community's access to primary health care through authorizing pharmacists to administer a wider range of public health and travel vaccinations from the 14th of november 2022 including japanese encephalitis hepatitis a and hepatitis b poliomyelitis, typhoid, and zoster, as well as funding a 12-month trial to evaluate following, um, allowing pharmacists to prescribe medications for urinary tract infections and supporting a statewide pilot where appropriately trained pharmacists will prescribe medications for certain conditions, such as skin ailments, ear infections, and hormonal contraception. And I was looking on this website. So according to landers.com.au, which is a legal services and updates website from Lander and Rogers, the aim is to alleviate the pressure on emergency departments, reduce wait times to see general practitioners and increase community access to primary care services. These changes capitalize on the additional services provided by pharmacists during the COVID-19 pandemic 
in, and are in line with trials currently being held in Queensland. The implementation of the trial follows the position raised by the Pharmacy Board of Australia in its 2019 position statement concerning expanding the role of pharmacists as healthcare providers. New South Wales Health has said it will work with the pharmacy sector and regulators to ensure that appropriate training and support are provided to ensure high safety standards are maintained during the operation of the trial. So I'd say this sounds pretty reasonable. It seems like it is for the benefit of patients. And if anything, it will reduce the stress in hospitals and at doctor's offices. So I did some digging to find someone who is against this. And boy, did I find them. So Professor Stephen Robson, who is the president of the Australian Medical Association, stated that, Quote, responding to GP shortages with second-class policy solutions that trample over the advice of independent bodies like the Pharmacy Board of Australia and the TGA and bypass established national processes that exist to protect patient safety isn't the answer. GPs train for 12 to 15 years to have the expertise to diagnose conditions that are being covered in, in some of these trials. You can't replace that training and experience with a few hours of weekly online training without putting patients at risk. General practitioners are highly skilled and equipped to diagnose the difference between a UTI and other serious and potentially deadly health conditions. They are equipped to take a full medical history of their patients and understand the full range of contraceptive options available to women. Second class, I mean, yikes. But is there a current interprofessional model that has been successful? Yes. For the, the last decade, the frontier of pharmacists prescribing in Australia has been in the acute care setting, where which is led by initiatives such as um, the Partnered Pharmacist Medication Charting, or PPMC, which is a collaborative model that is now being embedded into practice across five states and territories and has been shown to improve patient safety and quality of care by reducing medication errors and delays to critical treatment as well as increased job satisfaction, not just of pharmacists, but of medical staff too. So the majority of the nay options were centred over the idea of antimicrobial resistance, which I agree needs to be controlled at all costs. There's been a study that estimates 1.27 million deaths due to antimicrobial resistance in 2019, um, since more people died due to antimicrobial resistance than the death toll for malaria and HIV combined. So, and Alexander Fleming, like, I don't know, how many years was it ago? <laughs> like, literally saved millions of lives during World War II with the serendipitous discovery of penicillin. Um, whereas before that, millions of people were at risk of developing deadly infections from something as simple as a minor cut. Now, if we are continuing with how we're going, literally in like 10 years' time, most of the population will be resistant to the therapeutic effects of antibiotics, which is absolutely terrifying. So doctors do have the right to fear that the more antibiotics being prescribed, um, the more antimicrobial resistance there will be. But if the patient is going to see this pharmacist instead of the doctor for the same prescription and with pharmacists being well aware of this issue, what difference does it make? 
I mean, every pharmacist I know or have worked with will roll their eyes when a ph- like when a doctor <laughs> prescribes multiple courses of antibiotics for a patient who's just stockpiling them. When we would not have done so if we had been in the same doctor's shoes. Just saying. <laughs> so after being quite cut and slightly offended while reading the previous article, I did find a doctor who was all for this new reform. Dr. Nick Coatesworth, who is a respiratory, 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 okay, I'm going to say respiratory and infectious diseases physician, said, I've lost count of how many times a pharmacist has saved my bacon and my patient's health during my career. Those experiences have led me to deeply respect the professional skills of pharmacy colleagues. They've made me more open to the idea that community pharmacists are capable of diagnosing straightforward illnesses and prescribing medications. Heavy emphasis on straightforward. And that it would be wrong to characterize this trial as an attempt by the pharmacy profession to um, gain ground in a professional turf war that is on the contrary... um, Oh wait, and that on the contrary, it represents one of the only realistic short-term reform pathways to improve access to care in our constrained health system. Um, so in an interview with ABC Radio National, the president of the Royal Australasian College of General Practitioners, adjunct professor Karen Price, pointed to the art of diagnosis as a differentiator between a pharmacist and a general practitioner. Correct. Medicine degrees and postgraduate training teach this art. It is the ability to pick out, let's say, out of 100 patients with symptoms of UTIs, that one patient who might have a kidney abscess or might need to go to hospital with sepsis, let's say. But no pharmacist is claiming to be a master of diagnostic art. And by the way, yeah, that mastery is not universally attained by doctors, just an FYI. What these prescribing trials are working to is a pharmacist's strengths, so like highly protocol-driven assessment and treatment of routine conditions in a safe and controlled manner, which is what we've been doing this whole time. In the same interview, the Dean of Pharmacy of UCID, Professor Angie McLaughlin, just a side note, this man is so wholesome and amazing. Literally have never fallen asleep during his lectures. This guy like eats, sleeps and breathes pharmacy. It's amazing. Anyways, he expressed the willingness of pharmacists to work with GPs to ensure the autonomous prescribing was implemented safely. Um, This invitation should be wholeheartedly accepted by the medical profession. As that article continues. Okay, so the pharmacy trial in... New South Wales is a mirror image of the successful trial in far north Queensland, which allowed pharmacists to prescribe a range of antibiotics to young women with urinary tract infections. The antibiotics used, um, such as trimethoprim and cephalexin, are among the safest and most widely prescribed. So Coatesworth also mentioned that um, the claims that patients will die from such a trial are implausible. The prescription of an antibiotic such as trimethoprim has an excellent safety profile. Empowering health literate young women to access rapid and effective treatment for a ubiquitous condition is a desirable health outcome. 
The main risk is the misrecognition of serious pathology, um, which might require urgent admissions to hospitals or intravenous antibiotics or missing a different diagnosis such as um, sexually transmitted infections. However, the argument can be made. Oh my god, can you guys hear that? Okay. Neighbors be wildin'. That's okay. <laughs> However, um, there is the argument that the inability to access care is more likely to result in bad outcomes than misrecognition by a pharmacist. Oh my god, what is that? Okay, maybe I shouldn't be too nosy, but this is what happens when you live in a townhouse, guys. Anyways, um, it continues with um, claims that pharmacists prescribed antibiotics will drive antibiotic resistance ring a little hollow given the prescribing practice of many doctors. The most recent national antibiotic prescribing survey in residential aged care, which is firmly the Bailiwick. Bailiwick? What's a Bailiwick? Let me just, bailiwick, jeez, I should probably switch this up before I started. One sphere of operations or areas of in interest, according to Google. Thank you, Google. Um, where was I up to? Yeah. Of general practice showed that one in five antibiotic prescriptions were for prophylaxis, which is the prevention of an infection, which is outside the recommended guidelines and a known driver of resistance anyways. And by contrast, pharmacists have been the backbone of successful hospital-based antibiotic prescribing improvements over the past decade. So yes, I do believe that pharmacists have a place in prescribing medications when appropriate because I believe that we've been specifically trained to ensure that the medication that is being given out to the patient is appropriate and safe, which let's be honest, some doctors can't even do. The pharmacists that I work with, and even I, will pick up doctors' mistakes and potential harmful prescribings on the daily and save them, as well as ourselves, from many, many close calls. Obviously, um, like how they are dodgy doctors, there will be dodgy pharmacists too. There was a recent incident where a pharmacist stole two doctors' prescribing pads and self-prescribed a range of dangerous medications and was caught driving under the influence of illicit drugs. Wow. I mean, jail. <laughs> jail. Anyways, I do believe that once these prescribing trials um, um, do take place, that there are appropriate ways to record and monitor these prescribings um, to prevent the misuse of their new scope, which could lead to patient harm or antimicrobial resistance um, or just the abuse of power, like what doctors have been doing. Like Not all doctors, okay? Like the minority of doctors, but still they do exist, have been doing for a while. Um, yeah, so the pharmacists that I work with are like incredibly against the unnecessary prescribing of antibiotics, but not everyone's like that. And I can't speak for all regions of New South Wales. However, if there's close monitoring, then there should be minimal issues. So yeah, doctors do be hella pressed. And nurses, nurses, <laughs> nurses, nurse practitioners are able to prescribe, but they aren't doctors. But once they have a little whiff that pharmacists are able to do a little bit more than what's within their legal and current scope, they get mad. They get big mad. 
Anyways, links to all the articles will be down below. Hope you guys enjoyed this little relevant to my life, little more... I forgot the word. Relates more to real life. <laughs> Never said about that. And yeah, that's all. Um, I do believe the pharmacist can be like should be allowed to prescribe certain medications within their scope. I mean, we're literally the medication experts, mate. So why are you pressed? Why are you pressed, pressed? Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and week, and or month, and year, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Go drink some water, and go hug a tree, and touch some grass. Okay, bye-bye!